Hello, welcome to episode 206 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay, again, again. Coming regular, coming regular. I, I know he's, he's making his comeback, so he is. I'm going to put Barry in the sidelines. He's going to be our, our substitute again. Yeah, put, um, put Barry. He was here when it, he when it needed him the most, and then now we're going to kick him to the curb. It's not fair on young Barry. I have to get him back involved. It's nice to be back, and do you know what? Today we've got we've both got a webcam set up, and it's nice to see you. Um, albeit you keep freezing on me, it's uh, yeah. weird, but it's just it's nice to talk to your face and not just over a phone and stuff like that. So it's a big difference. I'm enjoying it. A lot. It'll be very odd speaking to you at some point in the future when I can't. When I'll be, I, we'll both move at normal rates. We won't just have like we won't be buffering at any point during the, <laughs> during the conversation. It'll be quite strange. We really touch each other. Yeah, ooh, ooh, we can do anything we want. We can lick each other. We can do anything we want. You're, you're um, three dimensional. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you've already we're doing this again over Zoom. Um, today is Freedom Day in the United Kingdom, as I've been dubbing it over the last. Oh. A horrendous term that should not be used. Um, so, oh dear. Um, hopefully, yeah. at some point we can get back to the pub. But I am, and I think we're both being careful and cautious, and there's no rush to do that. And I've never mindset, I think. Yeah, I'm still on the, on the, the side of being cautious and, and not putting other people's lives in danger. Quite yeah, I, think, um, I think we're all kind so of in time yet. I think we're all still talking about PTSD. We've all got a bit of trauma from this whole thing. So, it's going to take a bit of time for it all to, yeah. to pass on and, and normality to sort of return to, to us all. Yeah, but it, it does feel like. A, a crazy experiment though um, especially I mean, up in Scotland we've kind of eased up in a lot of stuff but we're still wearing masks and stuff right? yeah. whereas down south it does seem to be you know let, let, let's let's just go for it um, so Aye. it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks to see how this is going to unfold and yeah. what's going to happen um, I mean I hope I, I really do hope that they've got it right and it does hear them you know whatever sort it itself out but you know then there's the other side mutations and stuff like that so it's going to be um there's going to be some, some interesting news stories coming up, I think. Aye, hopefully it's not a winter of discontent that um, greets us again and a, mm, you know, you know Jesus, locked in during yeah. the dark, dark days of winter again. So we'll try and be happier yeah. from the week today. What are you drinking tonight, Colin? Yeah. Uh, vodka. <laughs> I've, I've poured myself a pint of, not not a pure pint of vodka, of Russian <laughs> standard say, yeah. vodka. Um, it's, it's got lemonade in it because I'm a pussy and I can't drink straight drinks. I don't but, think um, anyone can drink a full pint of straight vodka, unless you're Russian. I'm pretty sure Slash could read. I've read his autobiography, and I'm sure Slash has laid claim to that, and maybe Hetfield as well. I reckon your good um, lady could probably do it on a, a good day. I reckon she, I reckon she, I reckon she <laughs> had a big... Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine she's got stories where she's drunk a pint of vodka in one sitting. I can, I can imagine that. Quite, quite possibly. But I've probably got, you know, I've probably got a quarter of vodka, three quarters lemonade and a pint glass, so... Nice. Yeah, I'm a weak guy, though, so that's like for me, that's like loads of alcohol. It is also a Monday as well, <laughs> when you're drinking vodka on a Monday, which is usually not a good sign. I've had a hard day. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm, enough, I'm looking forward. This in my vodka is, is my release, man. So if I do bust into rants at any point, forgive me. That's why. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. What are you drinking, sir? I am on one called Piston Head. Um, it's a custom lager, which was a, a, a very nice birthday present from our good friend Barry. Um, I think they're English, possibly. I think, I think they're an English company. Believe so, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's nice. It's it, it's very much it's quite sessionable. You could probably drink that. You could drink it most of the night. It's only four point six percent. It's nice, very crisp, very refreshing. Um, definitely not one that sort of like you know blows your taste buds away, but definitely not some something you could definitely enjoy. You know, for an extended period of time, and, and you're not really feeling sick from it. I feel. Right, um, and the can, the can's very kind of very heavy know, metal. Bike, it? It's a very yeah. biker can. Yeah, it's got like yeah. kind of skull and you know stuff like that. So it's a very kind of macho. Uh, I, I do feel macho drinking it. I do feel macho. Yeah. A man who knows nothing about cars, it will drink piston head and pretend he knows something about cars. <laughs> I think motorbikes, but hey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, probably more yeah. like than motorheads, isn't it? Yeah, piston head. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah it's nice. Yeah, it's tasty. I'm sure I've had it before. I'm sure they serve it on tap quite a yeah. bit down in London. 
um, if I remember yeah. rightly. Probably so I went to Greenwich, had it on tap. Um, but yeah, it's nice in the can. Very, very, very refreshing on a Monday night. Um, so yeah, so cool. we'll go on to our usual field. So Camel Lairds have started their pre-season. Um, started with, with a 7-1 loss to Tranmere, which is not exactly the... 7-1 loss? loss. Tranmere and like, they're like, the, they're like the championship and, you know, it's like eight divisions between them or something like that. So it's, it's to be expected, to be honest, to be expected. Tranmere beat Rangers but, the same weekend, you know, so it's... But I don't, wait, so I, I don't do football, as okay. we've kind of probably mentioned before on this podcast. Why would you set yourself up for such a massive kicking? Do you know what I mean? Why would you go into a team that's eight leagues above you and think, Let, let's warm up the play this team that, that probably gets quite probably clearly going to drop us? Mostly just a money thing, um, because like Tramier will probably bring a wee good support down. Um, so the game that might have maybe got, only got 100 fans, they're playing like a local team on the level. Now it becomes maybe like sort of 600 fans might go to this game and it just bumps the coppers up. You know, it, it's just, it's down, it's plain okay. simple down to that. So, and cool. basically, both teams get what they want because no one expects Tramier to do anything from. It. So, but they get a good amount of money from the game, and the Tranmere team, who are obviously way above them, get a good amount of fitness and get a bit of, you know, get a leg back underneath them after, you know, after the summer. So, so it's like a kind of confidence booster for Tranmere because they, they're just, you know, scored seven goals there on a yes, we can fucking exactly. trust anybody now. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think, they, I think they played Tranmere played them on the Wednesday, and they played Rangers on the Friday or the Saturday and beat Rangers. So that tells you that maybe the game against Tamil just sort of just put them in motion. Just got just got them going. Okay. That, make, that yeah. makes sense. No, so, I, get, I get that. I get that. Again, um, hopefully hopefully it's not a, a prelude to a really bad season. Hopefully they're, they're, they're gonna be good this season. Um on to the other thing we thought we could do some any new news of interest that sort of piqued your interest over the last few weeks or last last week? Um kinda of, yeah. Um okay. and kinda of no, but I need to kind of talk about it more in line with the movies we're, we're going fair to enough, chat enough. about. So um, I can't kind of Talk about it quite we'll yet. We'll get into so later on then. The one I want to talk about Garden Paths, as usual. I mean, I will mention um, Clerk Three has been given the go ahead. He starts filming in August. Um, oh, right. So last week we had mentioned Mr. Smith and how we both kind of said Kevin stopped making films. Yes. So on the back of this news, where it, what's your what's your gut telling you? Well, there is a genuine apprehension because of some of the films he's put out recently. You know, um, I like Yoga Hosers, but it's not everyone's favourite. I genuinely really enjoyed Tusk. I thought Tusk was really a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed Red State a lot as well. I'm with you on the Jane Bob Strike, not Jane Bob, the Jane Bob reboot, which was not a good effort. I felt like it was definitely lacking a lot. Um, that was yeah. said by an Iron Bob figure the other day, and it's sitting up in my bedroom, so that tells you I'm fully, <laughs> fully on board. <laughs> um, I was I, I maybe very apprehensive at the time about Clerks too because I thought like, why do you go back to that world? You know, Clerks one is such one of my favorite films of all time and the film that mm. set him up. And why would you want to go back to it? And Clerks two is generally a really emotionally wonderful film. Clerks two, yeah, I actually did did work. I'll, I'll give you that. I was uh, a massive fan of Clerks two as well. Yeah. Um, so in that universe, he seems to know what he's doing. So he seems more sort of he seems to the characters in that universe seem more rounded. He seems to know how to move through them. I, I am concerned as to what he does with them because I, I thought at the end of Clerks Two, it finished in a place where things were much things feel settled and the bombshell they'll put into this to try and like mix it up again will not that will work. I'm not entirely sure. So because it's very meta. Have you had the plot line for Clerks Three? Very yeah. meta. Yeah, but then, right, so ju- just to give food for thought then, so yeah, that's his universe, he knows what he's doing, View Um, but the reboot is part of that universe? No, um, I don't think it's a bad thing, I think the tone of the reboot, I think, I think the tone of Jane Bob straight back and the tone of Clerks are very different, Um, and I think the Jane, Jane Bob essentially, the first one, like the Jane Bob straight back, essentially a big comic book, silly, kind of almost like Warner cartoon, that's what he was, that's the vibe he was going for, Um, then when it came to the reboot, he sort of leaned into that even heavier with a sort of, and almost into like a, 
did like a sort of stoner comedy, you know, kind of Cheech and Chong kind of stuff. Clerks is not that vibe. Clerks is a completely different vibe, which gives me kind of more hope that he can stick to that vibe and he can move it along. Um, I think as well with the Clerks film, he's got an already predetermined cast that he sort of has to use in order to make it clear. Like he can't just throw in Harley Quinn in it for some random reason. He probably probably will anyway, but her role will be. His role will be her role will be smaller in comparison to like what it would be in other films because he has the you know Dante and Rando are at the R clerks you know that that essentially is the is the storyline of the film you know so but then it, it does it, it, no disrespect to his daughter I mean you know she, she's not a terrible actress but it does shoehorn her in the roles oh no it does I, I feel do you know what I mean so I think there is potential for him to shoehorn her into clerks world as oh no there, possibly, there possibly possibly so absolutely be nepotism involved in it to get her in this, involved in it and it's not just hardly there's a lot of people who put in these films all the time that I'm like I don't really need to see Ralph Garman in a film I love Ralph Garman I think he's mm-hmm. wonderful in the radio he's a wonderful podcaster he's not really an actor as such in these films so I feel like you know it doesn't really work for me when he's in the film so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people of that ilk who just sort of does shoehorn in all the time to make sure like I don't think you'll see Jason Lee popping up in this for example or Ben Affleck popping up in that again it'll it will be sort of sticking to the core of what Clerks is. And I am I am always on board for anything that Kev does, you know, so... You um, are, you, you, you are. They're both fans, but do you think we'll ever see a point in time where Kevin Smith's direct in a Marvel or a DC movie? Seriously? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think he would love to do it. I mean, he's done, this, he's done the... Um, he does um, a lot of the, the TV shows. Serious, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a lot of daughter now, yeah. And he apparently was dabbling in some of the Marvel shows that were going to be like sort of cartoon shows. He was going to do a Howard Duck show at one point that was sort of um, muted he was going to do that and then Modoc mm-hmm. got picked instead um, yeah. so he has that one I, I don't know I don't know what the character being he's always himself said that he prefers to be the guy who watches it rather than creates it okay. um, yeah. so I, I don't know I don't know because I mean, he's been close before he was like you know he was heavily attached to Green Hornet back in the day mm-hmm. and he was heavily attached mm-hmm. I, think, I think to Daredevil at one point as well and to um, yeah, stuff was, like yeah. and like stuff like um, Powers and um, I'm sure Preacher as well he, he'd sort of the first run at Preacher as well to try and get it up off the ground and things like that as a movie so he has walked around the comic book world before trying to do something but he's never really, never really he's in that circle because um, pretty much as you mentioned there Seth Rogen is now the, the yeah. kind of hand behind that and, and uh-huh. Seth Rogen's and you know they're in the same kind of I think it's a possibility. Um, possibly DC more so than, than Marvel because the DC shows that he's making, they seem to like him making them. He seems to go in, he does a good job and he's out again and he's, he seems to get all with the cast and you know, the crew and stuff like that. So yes, we, 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 do hope, we all hope for the best for Clerk 3. I think we can agree with that. We all hope it does well. We all hope it's a good yeah, film. Absolutely. I would never wish him to make a bad film. Um, unfortunately, for the time it does, but it's not something we, we kind of go in, you know, we, we don't go in with, with the, the kind of chips are down. We always go in with a high and but we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So- First film, I'll rattle this one out quickly. I just finished watching it. It's called Made in Italy, uh, directed by James Darcy. It's on Amazon Prime. It's his debut feature, but he's all, he is better known as an actor in Dunkirk and Hitchcock, and he plays the butler in Agent Carter. He plays the original... Um, oh, he plays Stark's... Sort Jarvis. Of Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah, he plays, he plays the, the physical embodiment of Jarvis before he becomes... Vision. Is he the same guy that played him in Endgame? Yes, same guy. Right, go. Got you. So that's James Darcy. Um, so, right. what this film is... For, mm. A wee bit of a smile, a wee bit of a smirk. Um, he was still playing subtly all the time, you know, playing kind of gruff and a bit kind of like, you know, you know that kind of, I'm an old man and I don't like change type thing going on and I'm, you know, I'm suffering type thing. But with a bit more charm than he does, Plenty say, for example, in the ice road where he looked like, but I thought he looked like he was sleepwalking through it. Um, mm-hmm. Was not overly convinced by his son, uh, Michael Richardson. Didn't quite have the same acting chops and felt like he was a bit, you know, 
stretching in some of the scenes. Um, but they, they did play off each other well as father and son. And, and I can imagine it would be quite a cathartic film to make, you know, doing this together because obviously what happened to in real life, you know. Um, to Jolly, yeah. Aye, you know, the, his mother and wife did die. So it would be quite, it would be quite a sort of, you know, tough film to do in that respect. Um, it looked beautiful. It's all shot in like Tuscany and Italy. So it looks absolutely stunning. Uh, all the people in it are very beautiful. Um, it's just it's very quaint it's very middle of the road it's very bank holiday Sunday movie viewing you can watch your grand no one's going to get offended by it it's all middle class people having very middle class problems that you find it hard to relate to you know because none of us ever had the problem of trying to sell our Italian house in order to buy an art gallery that's never really been an issue that I think me and you're ever going to have you know it's just a lot about the tax <laughs> But that being said, does Michael look like Liam? No, looks like his mum. Right, okay, okay, cool. cool. You can see his mum, same mouth and mouth, lower face as his mum. You see that, he doesn't look like his dad at all. and I think from what I've heard him talking on the like on TV, he's not got an Irish accent. He, he's still got he's got an American accent because obviously he probably grew up mostly in like America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think occasionally he sort of maybe slips a few words in there in the kind of Irish brogue that um, like Liam has. But you know, he definitely looks more like the, the Richardson side of the, the family uh, compared to yeah. the, the Neeson side. But no, it, like I said, quaint, enjoyable, won't live long in the memory. If you can watch with your granny, not offender. Um, a, a solid but unspectacular six out of ten. You're so middle class, Mister Lerd. I know. Is that the way point to watch it? I did watch it. Give us something you've watched this week. Then what have you watched of interest? Okay. Um. So I watched um, Guns of Kimball starring Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, have you seen this before? I have seen this. We talked about we talked about this in the podcast. Me and um, Barry have seen it already. But ah, right. Please continue. Cool. So I, I can I can let rip and I'm not going to spoil it. Um. So I watched this last night and I've been, I've been wanting to see this. Since we've seen the trailers for it. In the film, you've got Daniel Radcliffe, um, Samara Weaving, who I'm playing a big, big, big fan of, Ned Dennehy, uh, Natasha Lou uh, Bordizo, and also, who's the last one? The old guy, I can't remember who it was. Um, Grant Bowler popped up in it as well. Um, okay. And the rough idea of the film is this he's, he's a gamer. Daniel Radcliffe oh. is a sort of gamer whose ex girlfriend gets kidnapped. In order to try and save her, he goes to rescue her. But the twist is, before he does that, he's basically attacked and his gun, his hands are turned out, are attached with guns. So that's all he's got attached to his hands. He can't really grip anything, he can't do anything. He's basically got guns attached to his hands. Kind of like Edward Sutherland yeah. style. Um, and all the problems that sort of brings as he tries to navigate the world and find his ex. At the same time, he's got all the bounty hunters yeah, chasing after him as well. Yeah, it's basically a violent video game brought to life. Yeah. Um, and it was done wonderfully well. Um, I, 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 got this film in a big, big way. Um, I really, really enjoyed it so, so much. Um, just for start to finish, I was like, wow, I've waited so long to see it. And you know that way where you wait and you wait and like, is it going to let me down? Oh my God, it, it surpassed my expectations of how good I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. It was just so well edited, so well shot. Um, the special effect, it's not got a massive budget, but the budget they did have was well allocated um radcliffe was was it's, it's kind of my girl being smart of even um that ready or not she was in that yes and when we first in the trailers i was like that's margot robbie and it turns out he is margot robbie. i think she's going to be in a film with margot robbie at some point as well there's something recently she's going to be in with margot robbie because it'd be really weird to see them together but like having amy adams and isla fisher together mm-hmm you know, he's like, I'm not sure, or Kate Blanche, not Kate Blanche yet. Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Jessica Chastain was five foot four? Did you know this? 
she's the same height as me. Ah, she's, not, she's got big lady energy, but she's only the same height as you. It's amazing. Um, this, this has stunned me. <laughs> I've, this got stunned energy. Me. I've got big man energy. This has stunned me for about a month I found, since I found this out that she's only five foot four. Anyway, um, have you ever seen the film Guns of Kimbo? To me, it felt like you seen that film Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen. Uh, no, 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 it's very much like sort of it's pulpy, it's a B movie, it's, it's aimed at basically 13 year old boys, which. I think we can agree mentally we are probably still like 13 year old boys who like to see things get shot and blown up. So that, that's what I love it is. Yeah, it totally appeals to that, that sense of me that this kind of bizarre sense of violent video games that I used to play when I was younger and stuff yeah. like that, that it taps into that. And that, that's why I embrace it so, so that This is going to be a cult classic in years yes. to come. I, I totally believe that. I think this will yeah. be a cult classic in film. It's, I think it's, people will watch it in 15 years' time and go, Wow, do you mean how yeah. did we miss this film? Why was this not on the radar? It was it is amazing. infinitely better than you know, when Hardcore Henry they came out a few years ago. Yeah, very very similar to Hardcore Henry as well. What? Same kind of idea. Let's bring a fucking video game to life. And and this does it oh, John Wick as well. It's not dissimilar to John Wick in terms yeah. of you know the, the kind of slickness of the action and you know the kind of hyper stylized violence and stuff like that. Um Radcliffe. I'm going to talk about Radcliffe in a minute. That's my garden path this week. Okay. Um, but, but Radcliffe, he, he's got he's, he's got a sense of humour about him, and, yeah. and he knows it, and he's not scared to kind of try. Do you know oh. what I mean? And it, it, he made the film a lot. I think someone else in that role, it wouldn't have been as good. He really made it a better film that, that, than it maybe should have been. Radcliffe performs as an actor who has got very little to fear because he has got a nine-film franchise sitting in the back burner that will forever make him financially fine. You know, yeah, he can absolutely. he can do what he, want. he can do something like Swiss Army Man if he wants to. You know, because even though it's you know weird and bizarre and fucked up, because Chamber of Secrets will still keep paying the bills. You know, so there's no there's there's no absolutely. risk for him. So he can he can just openly just do stuff like this and. He's still a name, a big enough name that attached to it that it will garner interest. You know, because we all remember seeing the pictures of him like middle of the street wearing the, the bear shoes with the guns. You're going, what the fuck is going on? What is this film? And it, because it's Daniel Radcliffe, you're automatically interested in it. But he's probably doing it on a budget, on a film that's yeah. a budget that, that's sort of normally had to take like, 20 million to that. He, he'll do it for, you know, scale or, or you, know, you know, half a million because he's got all this money set in the bank from everything else. So, that allows him to pick interesting projects and not just the big projects. I think. Yeah, roles he wants to do. Yeah. yeah. So, so on the Daniel Radcliffe thing, so you're looking at this boy who grew up as Harry Potter um, and, and became defined as Harry Potter. I mean, he played Harry Potter for he was like, what, like kind of nine, well, ten well, years well. old till yeah. he was. Yeah, till he, till he was in his, you know, kind of twenties, you know. So he yeah. was like, you know, he was Harry Potter and. Unfortunately for a lot of people, he's always they're going to be like, oh, that's Harry Potter in that film and not that's Daniel Radcliffe, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but I think to try and break away from a role so iconic and a character so big is a hard thing to do. So yeah. what, did, what did Daniel do after Harry Potter? He done Women in Black. So he yeah. went from, you know, fucking kids wizard movies to, you know, Okay, it wasn't like an eighteen rated horror, but it was, you know, it was pretty scary movie. Hell, and movie. it was Yeah. And it was a challenging role as well. You know, you're going gothic with it, you're going like, you know, like kind of nineteenth century period piece as yeah. well. So you now you've got to be able to act as well and it, it kind of holds his own acting in that. Um from there he goes on to do stuff like horns. I, horns again, we, you know, no one liked a, horns, but we loved horns. 
we loved Holland. We loved the book. We loved the film as well. And he plays an anti-hero. He's playing an American, so he's no longer, you know, the, the quintessential British wizard kid. You know, he's again, he's just pushing that, just a wee bit more away and saying, you know, I'm a fucking actor. I'm not, you know, the boy wizard. I can, I can act. So that's two under his belt. Um, Victor Frankenstein, which again, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to call you back on one. He done one called What If, which is a romantic comedy, which was generally a brilliant romantic comedy. Um, which one? Sorry, you cut out there. It's called What If. Uh, he's right. playing to Zoe Kazan from The Big Sick, um, mm-hmm. and they have this sort of like on again, off again sort of romance. It's very funny. It's got like, Adam Driver's in it as well, playing like sort of a he's sort of a, he plays like the best friend and oh, it's it's underseen by people, but it's a very funny, very well done film. So I, I'm going to throw that one. And also Good. on TV, he did a Young Doctor's Notebook opposite um, John Hamm again, really Which challenging. Got role. rave reviews. Of- Yep. Yeah, really challenging role. Um, yeah, um, he done Frankenstein, which got a lot of stick again. Um, but I enjoyed it immensely. I thought the the chemistry between him and McAvoy was amazing. Um, but and, and it's really brought, hard to get. And also, I knew that brought out I Frankenstein. That uh, Victor Frankenstein was not the worst Frankenstein film of that era. So we're okay. Yeah. He's, he's all right. He's safe. No, not at all. But. They had a lot of fun with that, and you've seen it on screen, him and Michael, you know, like, going in front. It was yeah. so much fun to watch, and me and you kind of came out of the cinema, like, fuck, yeah, that was, you know, fuck with Craig, so yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, then we were on to Swiss Army Man, which, as you say, that was, it just, you know what I mean, I'm going to play a dead body. You know, what do you do in a movie? Not a lot, I'm a dead body. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a brave, brave choice to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Brave role we do, and it's a bizarre role and to take a, on as well. It's a great, great film, um, yeah. and do you know what I mean, again, he's just all the time he's just gently pushing this, you know, I'm more than just freaking Harry Potter. Um, do you know I mean now you see me too? He does that as well. Yeah, the cash cow, maybe. Um, but why is it not called why is it not called now you don't? That's the question. You know, I that's... know you you're right, that would have been perfect. Now now you see me. No, you don't that'd be yeah. great. Um Java Cop and the Neo Nazis. I've not seen that. Really again. He, Goes full skinhead and everything like that, and he sort of basically it's sort of like a bit, a bit like a black Klansman type thing, sort of infiltrating the sort of neo Nazis, like I think nineteen eighties or early nineties, um, you know, deep south as an FBI agent. Very well done film. It didn't quite hit the height it should have done, but he's a very very good in it, so it's, it's definitely worth watching. It's not for lack of his talents that no, did, didn't kind of do it. He absolutely embodies the role. Um, he done Jungle, which again was interesting story. His part in it was really good. Um, and when I, mean, I watched Jungle, it made me want to go on Wikipedia, you know, what really happened. And, you know, I went on a few websites and stuff like that. So, you know, when a film gets your, your interest that much, it's done its job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to learn more about these events. And then from there, he done Guns of Kimbo and uh, Pretoria. The accents seem to get a lot of criticism, um, which I, I, I kind of get it, I don't. If I was South African, I'd probably be pissed off, but I'm not. I'm Scottish, and I'm sorry, but I couldn't tell, you know, a South African accent, good, bad. Do you know what I mean? To me, it sounds all right. You know, Josh yeah. Ackland and Lethal Weapon is an all right South African accent as well. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of get it. You know, if something weird like that with Scottish accents, well, that's terrible. Whereas an American watching it, it's like, it's a Scottish accent. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think there was a lot of stick over why didn't you fucking catch South Africans that can do the accent better? But for me being... Sorry to say, uh, an ignorant Scottish hairy wee guy watching a film. The accents 
didn't deter me from the film. And it I wasn't the action. I just thought the plot well. was very pedantic, very slow, and didn't really didn't really engage me as much as it should have done. Um, he's also on a TV show called Miracle Workers with Steve Buscemi. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Where no. He's, he's, he's an angel in heaven who's trying to prove to God that people are still good. But it's it's cool, like sort of the bureaucracy of like the TVA essentially. It's it's kind of good placey vibe to it. Um, but it's very sweet and very mm-hmm. charming and very funny. Uh, me, me and Barry watched it and we both both really enjoyed it. But I mean, overall, this boy's you know, he, he's kind of brought he's done a hard thing to do, which is to break out of an iconic role that defines you, and it's such a hard thing to break out of. And for me, anyway, I mean. I, I like Harry Potter and who he is, but when I see Daniel Radcliffe, I don't think, oh, there's Harry Potter. I'm at that point now where I'm like, there's Daniel Radcliffe. And yeah. I think once you get people thinking like that, then you've you, you know, you've you've done a good job. His his work will always intrigue me for the next few years at least until he proves on proves otherwise. I'm very intrigued by him. Um yeah. Kimball, we give yeah. it a ten. Um, I would give it a solid eight out of ten. Um yeah. few issues with, with some of the special effects, um, you know, some of the kind of scripting and stuff like that, you know, is you know, the plot I could write, you know what I mean, as a video game plot, but eight out of ten, because it was just a pure throw read and I enjoyed it from from start to finish. Um, it's yeah, fun. It's a, absolutely Maybe Netley was a Sunday afternoon film. Gunza Kimball is a Friday night, you know, couple of pints after work, after the pub, put on at eleven o'clock at night, kind of movie, you know, one of those you know, proper kind of old school action movies. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it as well. Yeah. Um, and also, um, Reese Derby was in it, and I've never seen Reese Derby play that kind of character, and it was like fuck me, that's Reese Derby, and he's, <laughs> you know, he's played a. Um, Reese Derby's always, you know, he's, he's he's kind of New Zealander, you know, they've got that kind of. Silliness about it was something about yeah. you see him doing that was brilliant. So it was really nice seeing Restarby being something all than stereotypical Restarby character as well. Definitely. Um, on from that, we'll move on to one that's on Netflix just now. We'll fact, we'll do two ones on Netflix. I'll do this first one and you can talk about your Netflix one. Um, I'm going to talk about Fear Street Part One. Have you seen Fear Street yet? Yeah, I watched it all night. Are you watched all I've three of them? You watched the first one? Just the first one. Okay, so no spoilers. So Part One is set in 1994. It is directed by Lee Janik, who directed TV Scream Queens and uh, One Fifty Four Honeymoon, which I've not seen, but I'm probably I'm guessing the Scream Queens run got all this job. Um, the plot is based on a bunch of R.L. Stein books, you know, R.L. Stein of Goosebumps fame. But this is definitely yeah. not Goosebumps; it's most definitely a more adult um, world they're in at this point in time. Are the books? Yes. The books teen are more adult books, right? Yeah. Uh, right, so it's not like kind of kids' books, or is it teen books, or is it? I think books? that I think they are more sort of like horrors for grown-ups. All right, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, so in this film, there is a serial killer hunting people um, in the town, and they're trying to figure out who it is. There's a, and there has to be a curse within the town that essentially infects people um, and causes them to go and do the violence, you know. And that's basically the plot. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. As always, they're hunting down teenagers. Um, and anyone who's in the road of the, the teenagers usually gets killed as well. But it's 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 yeah. got all the tropes. It's got all the tropes you would expect from a horror slash. Every film. single trope. If there was a trope that it missed, God knows what it was, because yeah. I counted, I ticked everyone off my list. Um, so anything like Kiana Madeira, Olivia Scott Welch, Benjamin Flores Jr., and Julia Reinwald. Um, no one of no, I don't think you recognize them from anything. They're all pretty much kind of newbies in terms of this. I'll talk about this size anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the fuck out of this. It is, and it just about nailed the landing. And I really enjoyed part one a lot. I was really high on it until I saw part two, at which point part one slightly dips for me after seeing part two because I like part two is so well done. So, um, okay. yeah, what do you think of this one? What do you think of it? Uh, I was cold going in. Um, the, the first 20 minutes, I wasn't sure that I was enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of found my pace with it and I settled into it and I was kind of warmed more and more to it. Same as you, the, the last third that kind of loses a bit of momentum. Um, but, but I mean, overall, yeah, enjoyable. The thing that I found, um, what you're saying about the characters, is there's not a lot of likable characters in it, um, with the exception of the brother, the boy you were talking about. I didn't really click with any other character. I thought, you know, you are all a bunch of shitty people. You are all fucking horrible. Yeah. You probably deserve what you've got. Um, uh, you kind of, like, if you think of all the great, um, like, sort of horror titles in the past, you think, like, you know, Sydney from Scream. Who's the girl in um, Nelly Nell Street? Uh, oh, what's her name? Nancy. Yeah. Nancy. They're all, yeah. they're, they're, they're like, they're all, they, 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 yeah. you know, and also they have that purity, which is obviously something that trope that's kind of boring, you know, that the bug, you know, purity type thing, you know, that makes them yeah. like that. Like you know, they're all good girls essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. This was this didn't have apart from the young the boy who I thought was really likable, but everyone seems to yeah. everyone who was bad seems to get the comeuppance for the most part, which I found enjoyable yeah. as well. I mean, I mean, like the heroine was just screen queen on TV. I, I thought it was fun mostly, but at times it felt like it was a parody of what it was trying to sort of love. Um, yeah, it, this film reminded me a lot. Have you seen the film Final Girls yet? No. So women they get basically saying in a kind of pleasant village, they get sucked into the TV of a horror film that her mum was the sort of the final girl in it in a, in a movie, but it's real for them, they've got to try and survive the film. It's very okay. meta, it's very weird. You'll dig it again, it's set in the 80s, it's an like an 80s horror film, it's very clever and well done. So you you look for it, it's called the final girl, or the yep. final girls. It's, it's a really well done film. But I'm I'm really um like you said, I'm looking forward to part two a lot. That was when I seen the trailer, I was like, this is this is exactly my, my jam right here, you know, this is Camp Crystal Lake. I'm I'm sold on the trailer yes. alone. So I'm really excited for the next part um, so, in a big, big way. I'm giving this a seven out of ten. How about you? I'd probably give it the same, six and a half, maybe seven. Yeah, yeah. at times the script was a bit kind of sloppy. And I don't know how big the budget was for it. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, some of the acting at times was annoying. And as I said, I don't know why they wrote the characters like that, but there, there wasn't a lot. To like about the, the characters themselves in it, um, so that was a bit of a, a kind of misfire, possibly. I'm giving a seven. I'm giving a seven by itself. At, once I compare it to the other one, I probably bump it down mm-hmm. to a six and a half. So I'd probably give the second Ooh. part an eight and a half or an eight out of ten. So it's yourself. Well, but it's, it's oh. When you've seen the when you see the final all three of them, let me know if you think you watch them in chronological order rather than release order. Jill thinks you could. I think you can. I think I think it was too weird. So you you see what you think. Okay, that's okay. a great challenge accepted. Doug, I'm interested now. You've got me intrigued. The next one set in like seventy four, I think, is the one after that set in sixteen sixty six. So sixteen sixty six. Yeah. So well, you were watching something yeah. on Netflix. Bill. What did you watch on Netflix recently? You finished? Oh my god, um, I, I've discovered the hidden treasure on Netflix, and if, if you haven't seen it or anyone else hasn't seen it, I. I Honestly, with all my heart, I urge you to, to watch it and, and give it your full attention because you will 
fall in love with this universe that's been created and, and you, you'll be like me, you'll be so excited that there's more coming and you're just like, oh, season two, please. Um, to a show called Sweet Tooth. Yep. Um, which is based on um, that, that kind of really, really little-known DC comic, which I believe you said you'd maybe read I read the two first, episodes of. I think the first three issues I've read of it, um, done by Jeff Lemire. Um, I've read the first mm. three. But it's, it's very sweet. The comic as well is very, very sweet and it, it builds a world yeah. really well. And I'm, I'm oh, told, yeah. World building is mean, excellent. Look, Without, I'll try not, I don't want to spoil it because it's so, so good. I, 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 you need to kind of go into this, you know, just kind of thinking, what am I going into? Because by the end of the ride, you're like, Jesus, I'm so glad Hi. I did. Um, it's set kind of now, and it's all very relevant because it's about kind of diseases and having to wear masks and contaminations and, and stuff like that. It was still um, before this all happened. Yeah, well, I guess the comic book was written before this all oh, happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's yeah. so, so it's relevant. relevant. It's yeah. scarily. You're watching and you're like, gee, I'm living this just now. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how crazy it is. Um, it's um, eight episodes long. Each one's about 45 minutes. Nice. And, you know, you're captivated. We, me and Lorraine watched it over the course of probably about five or six weeks because, we, you know, we wanted to savour it. But Perfect, it's one yeah. of these ones... You could binge it easily, so so easily. You could sit and waste your full day watching it, and, and you know it would. You wouldn't feel like you had done nothing for that day. You would, you know, Aye. feel that you had achieved something. Um, without spoilers, Jesus. Um, in the future, Captain Trips happens. Really bad disease fucks up people. <laughs> um, kids are born mutated. Um, this one wee kid has to go on an adventure to find something, solve mysteries, stuff like that. Along the way, he picks up helpers, um, companions and stuff like that, and it's just following the wee adventure. And it is so, so heartwarming and sweet, but there's parts in it that are intense and take you away. And you care. It's, when was the last time you cared deeply for characters? Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. It's you know you just get so into the characters that you care. You want to know what's. I need to know what's going to happen to Sweet Tooth or the Big Man. Do you know what I mean? I, I need to know what's what's going to happen next time. Um, I've heard reviews tell me it's got, it's got the same kind of heart and soul that something like Hunt for the Wilder People has. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. You, it you, has. You, have, you, you want nothing bad to happen to these people because they deserve good things. Yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, it's the banter's there as well. It's almost got like a kind of Spielberg kind of banter feel to it as well. Do you know what I mean? Where they, they get a group of people and they, they just make you care about it. They invest in them so much that you just you want to know everything about them. You want to know more and you want to know backstories. And it gives you that as well. Though. That's what's great about it. Is the trailer the trailer you want, I saw looked very ambling, you know, not so very ambling yeah. that era, like yeah. 80s it, Spielberg era, yeah. It, it is, and it's it's just, you need to watch it, um, sure. you, you know, and you need to go in with as little as possible, that's why it's hard not to say too much about it, yeah. but you do come out so, so, so rewarded, um, they're making a season two, it's been set up for it, and sure. I'm so, so excited to see where it's going. Really, really reacted, um, kid actors are so hit and miss, yeah. um, the kid in this, He's he's good man. He's, he's a good kid actor. You know, he just steals you and gets your heart and takes it along with him. So yeah, it's, it's I'm guessing he's got a lot of nice screen time him. as well. So it kind of lives it, and dies on him almost. If you, if it does. Him, you're it, struggling. Um, big names in it. Will Forte is in it. Nice, um, like Will Forte. I'm, I'm a, a, do you know what? I, I was saying this the other night is I don't realise how much I like Will Forte until I see Will Forte. Yeah. And I'm like Jesus, I like. Well, I mean, like when he was in Fairy Rock. Um, 
he was amazing for 30 Rock. He totally blew me away. Um, then he done Last the one on play, um, Chevy Chase and the one that he done yes. um, about the the Mad kind of comics and stuff yeah. like that. Um, he was in that as well. Um, National Lampoon he went on doing stuff like that. But yeah, he, he, and in this, he's just got this talent. Um, I can't remember the name of the doctor, the actor, um, but he's, he's an Asian guy who plays a doctor in it. He's brilliant as well. The guy that plays the big man um, is uh, just the whole cast is great. There's, there's, there's no one bad in it. The only one thing I would say is some of the kind of lesser characters, um, they don't get enough budget put on them. Um, right compared to the main characters, but it and it doesn't detract at all. Do you know what I mean? Because you're so engrossed in the the kind of the the, the, the the clique that it's it's just brilliant. It's just great. Um, and all actor that sort of really surprised me. I didn't recognise him at all because he's he, he, you know he looks unrecognisable. But um what's the fella's name that plays the the thinker in the Flash TV show in the wheelchair? Oh yeah I can't remember his name but I know you're talking about yeah yeah he turns up in it, and it wasn't until the name was looking at the beach. He's like, Oh, he was in this, and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, no way is that him. Um, he's completely unrecognizable, but not in a bad way. Um, yeah, totally. Like, I was I did not recognize him. I would not have known. You could have gave me a million guesses, and I would never have figured out that's who he was. Um, narrated by stuff. James Brolin as well. Yeah, James, who sounds him and Josh are well interchangeable. Yeah, um, it's a did watch it. You, you seriously. I'm looking for something new to watch. It's probably something I'm going to watch next. I'm, not, I'm undecided, and if I'm undecided, I'm going to watch something that's been recommended by me, by me, by people to me. Um, and you're the fourth or fifth person who has said that I should yeah. watch this. Um, like I said, I read must. the first two or three issues of the comic. I thought they were really sweet and lovely as well, and I kept needing to get back into it. But I just wanted to tell by the wayside, so I will 100% watch yeah. it. Uh, if only freaking, you know, two people listen to this podcast and one watches it. I've done, done my job. job. You know what yeah, I mean? Job. It's just yeah, just watch this freaking TV show. You you, you won't regret it. You would not regret it as always. Brilliant viewing. Um out of ten as a season, I would give it nine easily. Nice. Lovely. Um we've been good and positive so far. Like we gave some really good recommendations. I think people should watch. Um yeah. this is now going to change for the final couple of reviews. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we will begin with oh dear you've not seen it yet I don't think you're going to go and see it and I don't think I'll help you go and see it this film is called Space Jam A New Legacy uh, directed by Malcolm oh, no. B. Lee who did films called Girls Trip um, Night School which were bad he did do a film called Undercover oh. Brother back in the sort of the early 2000s which me and our friend Chris found hilariously funny for some reason and we continually quote it and, and love it and um, done that as well the plot of this film, it follows on from the original Space Jam, only now it's not Michael Jordan, it is LeBron James. LeBron James. Rather, yeah. who is sucked into the Warner Brothers server, um, where he has to fight against the main bad guy played by Don Cheadle, um, in order to, I'm not really sure what they're fighting for, but they're fighting for something. <laughs> to, to save his son, perhaps. Save to, his to son, yes, his son. Is. And save it's humanity. It's fucking possibly. hook, isn't it? It's the Plot of Hook is what you're describing to me. See, honestly, see, Michael who gives Hook shit. I love Hook, but anyway, um, and along the way, they 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 is in it. Um, we love Don. 
you love Don. We all love mm. Don. Yeah, yeah. Don yeah. is not good. Don is bad. Uh, and this, oh. he is he he is not a baddie. Can you remember Don Cheadle being a baddie at any point? Don Cheadle's not a baddie, though. He's, he's, he's not. not. He's Don Cheadle. Yeah. Exactly. He's not a baddie. Don Cheadle's the guy that, you know, you, you invite to your house and he has a cup of tea and he washes a cup after himself. That's yes. Don Cheadle. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. He is the baddie in it, but he could easily be called Mister Exposition because all he's doing is just like you know, just, just pushing the story along as quickly as possible so he can get out. Um, now there are. There's been precedent of this like sort of soulless, you know, sort of corporate push on a film. You know, something like the Lego Movie. We all cringed at the thought of Lego Movie. It just sounds like, oh my god, what are you doing? It just seems like all you're doing is to sell toys. Even He Man, you're talking about earlier on. It's just it's made by a yeah. toy company. Now, yeah. Lego Movie was fantastic. You brought in really good writers, really good director, and you made a fantastic, funny film. And at the same time, push Lego down your throat every second, which you kind of you, you yeah. like the stomach at this point. This one doesn't. This one just pushes every Warner Bros. property on you as close as it can. But the problem with Warner Bros. is, can you name me a Warner Bros. property that is child friendly? Oh, Jesus Christ. Probably not, no. So, we talked about last week. Kids do not give a fuck about about Looney Tunes. They don't care. Like, we love love Looney Tunes. They they don't care. It's everything, yeah. It's everything, yeah. The other thing to push on is is, uh, the Wacky Races and Flintstones. No one... Kids don't care about Wacky Races. Which even I don't care about. That's like a generation before us again. Do you Uh know what I mean? So then they start getting into film and they start like sort of weaving through the... Various Warner Bros. properties. So at one point they're in Harry Potter world, which is like that makes sense. Kids do still like Harry Potter. That's fine. I get that. But the quick scene with Batman and Wonder Woman and all that kind of stuff again, that makes sense because that's my biggest now. Then I kid you not, in this fucking children's film, in this film for kids, supposedly for kids, they go to Casablanca world. Well, with with Yosemite Sam that means... playing the piano. That means nothing to kids at all. Uh-huh. Right? Then they Most, go to some. some... Adults won't get a reference yeah. unless you're of a certain age. Jesus. Then they go to like Game of Thrones world and stuff like again, probably in the properties oh. in the world, right? Yes, it's fine. But then you've got all these other characters come into you. Like at one point you've got like the mask is in it, you know, the, the Jim Carrey mask, and you've got like wow. the, the Joker, but the purple suited Joker, you know, like 1966. Mm. And it's like the Romero Joker, yeah. Don't know who that is. You've got like the penguin. And amongst all and that, you've got this even like, and I'm also like they're trying to just push this, like, you know, monicum of tiny story that is just dull as hell. And you've seen it before, 25 years ago. And I recently rewatched Space Jam for reasons unknown to myself. Space Jam is not a good film. It's it's, it's a objectively terrible movie. But you watch it at the right age as a kid, and you kind of have a little bit of joy for it because I love to see Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and things like that. Yeah. This is just the dialogue in this film is horrendous. The plot is absolutely zero charm to it. It touches nearly two hours and there's not a, there's barely a smile throughout the whole two hours. I kid you not. Um, wow. I don't know. I, I know the name LeBron James, okay? But I, if you put five basketball players next to each other, I could not pick out a basketball player who's called LeBron James. Well, I was going to say that to you. So I think this is a problem is if you don't know, if you're not American, if you don't know basketball, then uh-huh. where's your investment? Had it have been if they'd have put David Beckham in there for a British audience, would it have uh, been a better movie for you? Would it have well, made maybe could have been because he more I sense? Think, would you have been more drawn to it? Do you know what I mean? Possibly, but he's got more of a, a worldwide appeal. You know, 
I get back in the nineties, Michael Jordan. Everybody knew who Michael Jordan was. He was literally a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. Makes sense at that point. Yeah. LeBron James is a name everyone probably recognises the name. Kind of going, I know that name, but you could pick him out of lineups. And he he, is, he doesn't have any real charm to his role. And he's not a bad actor, but he's not a good actor either. And he's he's trying what, what he's a basketball player. That's yeah. the fucking problem. Yeah. And there is a point in this yeah. film for a good part of the film where he is animated himself, which covers a lot of cracks because at that point he's just a voice role you know it's not yeah. you know if it's helped um ultimately dude this i just found it boring as hell i didn't know who it was aimed at because i don't think kids care about anything in this and i, I think it's almost like it'd be like me taking my kid to it and go you'll love this your dad loved this when he was when he was your age you were a great time at it and the people like going like what the fuck is this i don't understand what the hell your dad's going shit what the fuck was yeah. that yeah. Me that we, we objectively still love Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Whereas kids are going, what's Jurassic, what Jurassic, what, what is it? And they go, well, we love the Jurassic, or Jurassic Park. So it's amazing that they're going, well, what's yeah. Jurassic Park? I don't know what it is. Well, I let my kid watch Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous, um, but I didn't let him. I made him watch it. Because um, <laughs> I loved it. And he lasted through three and a half episodes, and then that was him. He was Aye. like, this is boring, Dad. And I'm like, how could... What? Do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, for us, it's, you know, it's meta. You know, Aye. this dinosaur's there for a reason. That thing, and, you know, there's scenes, and you're like, oh, yeah, that scene ties it. For us, it was kids there, just like, fuck off, this is boring. They, they, they don't want it. What got me with this, when I watched the trailer for this, I'm not going to see this. Um, yeah, don't, don't. Is they've done, the animation's 3D animation. It's computer generated. It's not it's, hand-drawn the way. It is hand-drawn 2D at times. Then they do have 2D at times, then it moves to 3D, so it's not always 3D, but it's mostly 3D, yes. But on 2D backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, which I found, I find it cool. I don't, I've kind of watched Scooby doing stuff, this kind of these new modern Scooby cartoons that's done in 3D, and it, it's, it, it's not the same, man. I don't it's like it. Yours. So I think that would be a lot. Just, um, I don't know what it's in 3D, Animaniacs, yeah. I would, that's my job. Yeah, man, I would definitely say for yourself, do not waste your time going to see this. It's absolutely 100% not worth it. Um, you know, I hate the negative on films. I do like to try and find the best of things sometimes. Um, but I'm giving this 3 out of 10 because it's just... It's just oh, it, it, wow, man. Why are you giving it 3? Where did the 3 come from? You know what? I kind of go... I got a kick out of some of the sort of the movie stuff in the background. Like, I'm like, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. I like that. That's like... It got me because I'm like a movie geek. I'm like, right. that's, that's kind of cool. We got like, oh my god, we got King Kong and it, like the old King Kong. I'm like, that's kind of fucking cool. You know, but that's it's minor things, you know. Um, right. And there was some wee moments like I can. Uh, this is kind of. I always like seeing you know, um, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and um, Bob and Life. And I'm always like, I always enjoy watching them be stupid. That's that always entertains me, and I, and I like that yeah. style of animation. And um, you know, more so than say. Um, Hannah Bambera. I'm, I was much of a Looney Tunes kid um, growing up, so yeah, um, I enjoyed that. But beyond that, there's just there was nothing here for me. And maybe, it's maybe not aimed at me, but then again, I don't know who the fuck is aimed at. To be honest. Yeah. Do you know what's scary is? Um, I was talking to my kids a few weeks ago. He was running fast, and I was like, "Arriba, arriba!" And he was like, "What's that?" Dad? And I was like, "Speedy Gonzalez." And he just looked to me blank, and my heart broke a wee bit. I was just like, "Man, my kids don't know who Speedy Gonzalez is." Yeah. 
Because that, in it, they have him and the granny with each other, sort of like partners in crime in this, right? And oh, they find in okay. partly because you see the film at the start is all the characters have left the Warner Brothers, the Looney Tunes world, because they've all decided to go on to other worlds to like sort of ply their trade there. Only Bugs Bunny's left in the Warner Brothers world. So the granny, Peter Gonzalez, are on the Matrix world and they're doing like a ma- they're doing Matrix scenes. I'm going, who's that aimed at? Like, Matrix is, is a good 20 years old, it doesn't even feel relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not for kids. No, Christ. no, not not at all. Although Wiley Ki- Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner and Mad Max Fury Road World was generally quite enjoyable. I did quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Mad Max. It's done that's that. Mad it's Max. not Wiley Coyote. Yeah, yeah, you see. Yeah, I, yeah, I quite uh-huh. enjoy that. Yeah, three out of ten. <laughs> um, on from that, another film in the cinema just now that's still going to be out. It'll be out pretty well because it makes lots of money, and that is the Forever Pudge. So I've got to do this without ruining it for you. Um, it's directed by Everardo Gout. Or group, and um, who is well known for TV, he's done Luke Cage, he's done Banshee, and he's done some episodes of Snowpiercer, the TV show, which I've not seen yet, but I heard it's very good. Um, the plot of this one is different from the other pubs, actually. It's not set during the pubs, it's very, the first 20 minutes are set during the pubs. The rest of the film set the day after, which I thought was quite an interesting conceit because we never really see what happens after. I always thought that would be a really interesting time, you know, of, you know, how do you deal with your neighbour trying to kill you the night before? You've got to try and talk to him the next day. So it's quite it's yeah. a bit of an interesting yeah. conceit there. Um, and basically, a large percentage of the population of America just decided that because of the immigration problem, because of they don't feel that the, the pudge is working correctly, they want the pudge not just to last the 12 hours that they've known it to last, they want like the pudge to continue indefinitely. You know, they basically want a, a, a lawless society of you know anarchy. Um, and it's about a bunch of characters. It's basically, a gang of cowboys have decided we don't want Mexicans in the country yeah. anymore. It's pretty much where we're at with us. It's a very Trump. It, yes. Um, and then in the film, you've got a, a group of survivors of the of the night of the pulse trying to escape to either Canada or Mexico. To Mexico and Canada, you need to open the borders for six hours to allow anyone who wants to come over, you know, no questions asked, to get to escape America to do so. But after those six hours, the border will be closed. And then that's the sort of that's conceit of the film. Um, and the film got people you don't yeah. really know. Um, so Anna de la Rivera, who is in uh, Army of the Dead, uh, Kenot Churka, who plays sort of the main protagonist, uh, Josh Lucas plays um, White Richman, uh, Will Patton plays other <laughs> White Richman, and Cassidy Froman, Freeman, sorry, plays right, a very rich white lady. Um, is this how you're cast? Is this your names on this? Um, yes, that is that's how they're cast. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Right, fuck me. Uh, so, the nose. <laughs> yeah, they probably do have names, but I mean, who wants to learn them? So, um, <laughs> it, I gave it some credit to begin with. It did, I like the conceit of what happened, you know, the day what happens after the pods. That to me was an interesting, quite an interesting conceit, you know, and you might find yeah. a different story for that. And it, became a, mm-hmm. it might be going over some different ground because all, 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 every other film has been set during the night of the pods, you know, one, one of them was set like. Like the first pub or something, wasn't it? It was like the, the first night of it, and then the rest of all, yeah, yeah. Um, and it starts off about it, then eventually it just becomes the normal pub structure of someone used to try to survive, someone try to kill them, you know, because ultimately that's what, it, that's what they all become. There's, there's really not much to it other than that. Um, yeah, the, 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 the cast are all very caricatured and disposable. There's no one, much like we talked about with um, your problem with um, Fear Street. There's no one really particularly likable you kind of really want to root for. They're all very sort of just fulfilling stereotypes, and there's not much 
development to them at all. So you, you don't really yeah. look for that enemy to really do much. Um, and you, you mentioned, you, even from here, the description of it, you mentioned the political commentary of what this is all about, you know, and that's the problem. The political commentary that this film's trying, it maybe thinks it's trying to be nuanced and trying to be clever, but it's mm. so on the nose that it's like, oh my God, you could not be less subtle if you might want to have a brick, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and because is it that, relevant now that, that, that Oh, I think it's still relevant. Yeah, and I think it's still relevant. The problems are still there, but I think something like mm-hmm. the hunt did it slightly better. Maybe have you seen the film The Hunt? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favourite films. Did the same idea yeah. kind of better, um, and this just it very quickly devolves into just your standard pods movie, which will still do business. And um, there's, there's, there's no question yeah. of that. So they're, they're doing what they want to do, um, and they found they found another um, way into. Did you? Can I interject? Did you watch yeah, the Purge TV show? No. Did you? No, no, no. I'm just wondering, like, what kind of bearing that's had on the Purge movies? Um, do you know I'm, I'm, I'm watching the show, so I don't know. I don't think anybody watched the TV show. What he told me about it basically seems to be like just, it's again one movie. It's basically a movie set up just over eight episodes rather than, you know, 140, you know, Hour and forty minute movie essentially, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's not do much mm-hmm. else. Um, yeah, yeah. It, What's weird about the puzzles though is it's these films that are that, that are kind of highlighting intolerance, and you can't be intolerant, and you know that they're, they're kind of saying you know that, that this is the parody of America where you know you got to kill people, but then they're kind of saying, you know, watch how we kill this person and enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of sick and twisted, you know, it's, it's like it's like making you your own shit, shit almost, do you know what I mean? It, it's kind of weird in that, that aspect, do you know what I mean? It's like we're saying this is wrong, but, you know, let's say, you know, we're going to make it as gruesome as we can, we want you to enjoy it, but it's wrong and you're like, well, what do you, what do you tell me here? Am I meant to enjoy this? Am I, meant, am I not meant to enjoy it? What, do you know what I mean? I don't, it's a very mixed message I get from the, the films in general. And yeah, and I think that's some of the, the concept of what... The, any political comment they're trying to make seems to get either A, lost, or it's so obvious that it's be, it becomes like dull because of that. No one's going to really pick up. No one's really going to care about it because like, oh, that's that's so, you know, so obvious. You know, it's not going to make any impact. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. an hour and 40 long, so it's not, it doesn't hang around too much. And it does move on. And I think people who are, who are into these films will still be into this. Um, and it'll do some decent business yeah. because of that, but it's it's not by any means the worst entry in this um, you know ongoing franchise, um, but it's certainly not the the best um, entry. It's just it's just um, it, it's almost the same film again. It's yeah. I was it, going to say that seems to be the problem. Is the first one was it was quite an original idea. The first one, um, yeah. it done well, and we're and just going one. to keep getting it and getting it and getting it until it doesn't do well, which will be a long time yet, unfortunately. Yeah. And the first one of the was much more of a bottle film. It's setting like one house almost. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was. Just, yeah, it's just a home invasion film, which has done really well. Just happened to this other framework around yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I would give this a very average five and a half out of ten. Which. But again, for a horror movie, I've always said a five out of ten for a horror movie is a fair rating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's completely horror movies watchable. Oscars, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's entirely watchable and it's not a bad way to an hour and 40 minutes, but it's certainly not one you can live in the memory. It's not one you're going to sort of think about in the future going, that was a great film. It's just it's just sort of 
another film in the series, and it's a series that will continue on, like you said, yeah. because it keep making money. Yeah, it's just another Pods movie. It yeah. pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, um, so I was going to go and see this tomorrow for Escape Room. Um, I am now. <laughs> I'm now thinking I'm going to go and see Escape Room tomorrow. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, Mister Laird. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, speaking of that, next week you have done your job tonight. I have. I've saved one person uh, watching Space Jam at least as well. Um, <laughs> next week we'll be talking about Escape Room. I think it's called Tournament of Champions. Is that the subplot? It's like um, it is, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that next Yeah, week, tournament of champions, yeah. But yep. they take all the winners and put them in a tournament of champions, champions I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, also, next week, we're going to talk about The World to Come, which is um, in the cinema. It's a kind of Western, very sort of couple trying to survive the, the harsh Western world as they try and get move you know, due west across the, the plains. Um, it's got Casey Affleck in it, so I'm like, I'm assuming it's very brooding and moody. It, look, it does look like a nice film or beautiful film to look at. Well, not any good. So the problem I've got with us is, um, are we allowed to like the athletes or not? Do you know what I mean? Because the athletes have been a bit naughty, haven't they? They have, they have, they have. Bad press for, um, so it's hard nowadays, man. Do you know what I mean? Because you like people and then they do shit like that and you're like, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Come on. Um, so Casey's in, Casey's in, in the, the, the red book. Not, not He's not in the good book. Yeah, as well. Both. I think both he's. A, I think he's actually sort of like a secondary role, and I don't think he's a main role in it. So we'll have to have to see. Um, yeah. And yeah. also next week we're talking about on Netflix or uh, Netflix's first um, adult animation, and um, it's called America: The Motion Picture. Oh, I've seen trailers for it. It looks nuts. It does look nuts. I have seen it, and I'll talk to you about it off mic. Tell you what I think of it, and but we'll talk about it in more depth. Um, next week um, but that's us for this week Colin tell me where to find us <laughs> people can find us <laughs> at Freebius in a Movie on Instagram um, YouTube and all the other usual places so look us up let us know what you think of our, our nonsense chat um, do you agree with what we said is Richard right is Richard wrong who knows who knows no. unless you tell us we never will um, when it comes to Space I've Jam been... I'm 100% right I'm, I'll, I'll get <laughs> nothing against it <laughs> I've been calling, you've been Richard, and we've been three years in a movie. Three years in a movie.